United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. It's been a while since we addressed this issue. It's a good time to get an update on Ukraine and uh, Russia. And recently, our guests has written about Russia's roadmap to exiting Ukraine. When Russia realizes its approach in Ukraine has failed, here's how it can get out. Let's let him flesh it out for us. Charles North is senior advisor on Ukraine at the United States Institute of Peace, a former director in Russia of the U.S. Agency for International Development, USAID, and the Twitter handle is at USIP. Charles North, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much, Tim. It's a pleasure to be with you. Let's talk about Russia and how far really are they into Ukraine right now? So the uh, there are two places where Russia has uh, seized territory in Ukraine. Uh, first is the the whole uh, Crimea Peninsula, uh, and that they've basically annexed. Uh, the other part is in eastern uh, Ukraine, an area called the Donbas, and they are holding a territory uh, roughly equivalent to the size of New Jersey. So, and they have installed a, kind of their own puppet uh, authorities in. Uh, two parts of that territory. And the idea behind their incursions into Ukraine, economic, nationalistic, uh, what imperialistic, how would you characterize the movement into Ukraine? Just to get more territory or do they need more territory? I think it's less a question of territory uh, than an effort to destabilize the Ukrainian government. Uh, the These uh, invasions took place uh, around the time that uh, Ukraine was moving seriously towards, uh, you know, looking for a glo- closer relationship with the EU, and this was something that uh, Russia couldn't uh, couldn't bear, uh, and so this is a way of of changing uh, that dynamic by uh, destabilizing the country, putting it on a war footing, and uh, moving the uh, the question from you know, joining the EU to. Uh, you know, having to fight this war on on the side with uh, Russia, and also an attempt to galvanize uh, perhaps Russian pro-Russian Ukrainians uh, into uh, saying yes, we want to move back to Russia. So this is uh, uh, you know what they've tried to do there. It actually has historical um, context of using borderlands around Russia as a buffer zone. Uh, against uh, foreign uh, um, incursions or uh, just keeping enemies at bay. So the interest in keeping NATO just a bit farther away. Uh, and so if you, Ukraine went the side of EU, the potential for also joining NATO would be there as well. Is it still the case that Ukraine is dependent on the West for energy and to the East from Russia for other, uh, for other support? Or, or has that changed over the last couple of years? Well, Ukraine is uh, is still very dependent on on the outside uh, for uh, all the resources. Uh, you still have energy flowing uh, from uh, you know through the pipelines uh, through Ukraine. This is one reason why they're concerned about alternate pipelines. Uh, but the uh, so they are still very dependent on other on outside donors. Uh, but we have seen some improvement here and there on in the economic performance. 
I wonder, uh, again, Charles North with the senior advisor on Ukraine at the United States Institute of Peace. Your op-ed that appeared in the Moscow Times noted that we cannot know when or if Russia will consider reconsider its failed approach. It would be a failure of smart policymaking not to have an exit ramp designed and paved for ready use. In other words, you're saying, let's come up with an idea so that the Russians, if they finally come to the realization that what they're doing is not working, we can say, hey, try this. It'll work fine. Any indication that Russia's going to listen? Any indication that they are even contemplating taking steps? What's your sense of things? Well, I think there's some incentives for uh, the Russians to get out. One, the calculation that uh, their incursion into eastern Ukraine was going to destabilize Ukraine, it just has not uh, paid out. Uh, The Ukrainians are actually more united now than they were uh, before the the war. They're actually more united against Russia and more uh, towards Europe. and so that hasn't worked out for them. The Russians have also incurred uh, the sanctions from the West. And this is, uh, it is biting. It's uh, affecting the Russian government's uh, ability to pay salaries and to uh, uh, keep their projects going, the non-military programs. Uh, and we've also seen them increasing the retirement age, which has led to significant protests and a uh, significant drop in President Putin's popularity. But the, beyond that, we've also even seen, uh, you know, analysis by uh, Russian think tanks uh, on the possibility of a peacekeeping force, as uh, much as like I had described in my op-ed, uh, that would help with the transition from uh, Russian to uh, Ukrainian control of the territory in, in eastern Ukraine. So we have seen some of these glimmers. Uh, it's hard to say that this is a... Uh, you know, it's going to happen for sure. Uh, you know, even a year ago, President Putin was saying he was uh, not opposed to the idea of having peacekeepers. Uh, but whether that is a, something he's committed to or if he was just trying to, uh, you know, keep the conversation going a bit longer uh, before having to make a commitment. So there's uncertainty about whether you they would actually President- go forward. But it's uh, something we need to uh, be prepared for. You mentioned President Putin, and I wonder, does this change or affect in any way the dynamic of a, a scheduled or at least contemplated early 2019 visit of Vladimir Putin to the White House? Would this be on the table? Would this be something that may uh, be in the works before then? Give us a sense of how that might play out and the role the U.S. might play in this. So I don't see any agreement happening on, uh, at least no public agreement on a peacekeeping force before the Ukrainian elections in, in March of 2019. Uh, so... Would it be on the table for a conversation if uh, President Putin came to Washington? Uh, I would uh, expect so. I, uh, it would certainly be on the table for conversation, but whether they would get very far with it, I don't know. Uh, it all depends on whether Is that, that the level the, the calculus- that it should take place at? Sorry again? Is that a good level to have those conversations? Is that a good level to have those conversations, or should that be left to subordinates? Well, I, I think the only person who makes any final decisions in Russia is President Putin. So it's important to have it at that level. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot can be done to prepare for that, but it, it definitely needs to be had at that level. People can read the op-ed in the Moscow Times, Russia's Roadmap to Exiting Ukraine. Charles North joining us on POTUS. Charles, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Tim. Charles North, senior advisor on Ukraine to the United States at the United States Institute of Peace. He's a former director in Russia for USAID, the U.S. Agency for International Development. Joining us here to talk a little bit about what I just said, that op-ed about the exit from Ukraine for Russia. Twitter handle is at USIP.
This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.